and welcome to Mavs Daily, where every day of the week we are breaking down question, event, news, or trend. My name is Bobby Corella, and joining me on this quest through time is Isaac Harris. What's up, Isaac? What's up, Bobby? Man, it's so good to have basketball back. It is good. We're just sitting here in the afterglow of yesterday's scrimmage against the LA Lakers, and I feel like it's time. This is, this is a really good time. Uh, more eyeballs are on basketball, and you know everybody's excited for basketball to be back and all that stuff. So, um, you know there might be uh, there might be new eyes on the Mavs that haven't seen the team before, or that maybe uh, you know you turn your basketball brain off because there's a lot of really serious crap going on in the world right now that's arguably way more important than how many triple doubles Luca has achieved this season. And so you might be uh, your your brain might be out of basketball shape. And so today's episode of Mavs Daily is going to be just kind of talking about some of the big storylines that unfolded in the first 67 games and some things that could carry over things to watch for as we head into the eight game restart, which begins a week from today against the Houston Rockets. It's going to be on national TV and also on Fox Sports Southwest. So today's episode of Mavs Daily, just like every episode of Mavs Daily, is brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. From local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and that includes the Mavs. And it's more than just the scores, Isaac, from all of the off-season moves to in-season adjustments, maybe even postseason glory. The DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches, and hopefully that is uh, including the Mavs, Luca, and Rick Carlisle. From every goal save and bucket you can follow it all and and touchdowns too if you're a cowboys fan the dallas morning news delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and the locker room and orlando florida straight to your inbox head to dallasnews.com sports now not now maybe in like 20 minutes after you finish listening to this episode because I, I don't want your brain to be uh, overloaded because you got a lot of basketball stuff to catch up on so listen to this first and then go to dallasnews.com sports Isaac, I feel the premise of this episode, I feel like we kind of mutually agreed, is uh, if you've been sleeping under a basketball-shaped rock for the last 10 months or so, maybe you didn't even watch a single Mavs game, maybe you have forgotten all about the team, what are some of like the big picture ideas that, uh, that maybe you need to refresh yourself on or just learn about for the first time? to sort of fully understand and appreciate what we're about to witness in these final eight games. And so we got three big ones. They all kind of connect to each other because the basketball season is a marathon and every event sort of connects to the thing that happened before it and the thing that will happen after it. But we have three main ideas uh, to keep in mind. And so I'll, I'll present the idea and then we'll have you kind of explain, uh, lay the groundwork, and then maybe we'll get into some, some hot sports debate about each point. But the first one, I mean, it's impossible to talk them about Mavs basketball without starting with Luka. So most important, arguably of all, this season, Luka has made the superstar leap. Yeah, and honestly, this is why I think uh, Luka should be I've, – I've stood on this hill for a while now that 
he should win most improved player. Uh, when you look back at the most improved player award uh, for the regular season, you look at it's players like Luca who fit that bill perfectly, who make the superstar leap. You look back at guys like Giannis and Jokic and these guys who have won that award in the past. It's when they made that huge leap. And we all know Luca was really good his rookie season and he broke these records and stuff as a rookie but he still made a quantum leap from where he was his rookie season to all-star starter averaging basically 29-9 on literally one of the best offenses in NBA history, taking the Mavs from a 33-win team to a playoff team who could, I mean, I mean, they have eight seeding games to play. They're at 40 wins now. If they win just at least three of those games, that's a 10-win difference in one year, probably going to win more than three. So, I just, I mean, you can't talk about the Dallas Mavericks without talking about Luka taking the step to, he's probably, I think he'll probably get a couple of MVP votes. At least he's, he's being shown on graphics right now for national news and media outlets uh, in regards to the MVP race. And I mean, he's the leader, the leader of the Mavs and they literally have one of the best players in the NBA. Going from very, very good to really, really stinking good is tough, right? Like going from really quality role player to solid starter to all-star, that's really hard because you have a lot of ground to cover. But going from all-star caliber player, which Luca was last season, he didn't make the all-star team, but he was probably like, I don't know, on the fringe, he was, whatever. If 12 guys make it, he was like number 13 or 14 probably. Going from that level to arguably first team all NBA, arguably top five, top six in the MVP voting, uh, the very top of your profession, the centerpiece focal point of every team's game plan. That is the single toughest leap to make in all of sports, right? Going from great to superstar is very, very difficult to do. And that was kind of like, I don't think anyone really expected that to happen all in one season. And now that's, that's not to say Luca's a finished product or anything. He has a lot of things that he has to improve on, but Going from 28-6 and six to 29-9-9, piloting the best offense, like you said, in the NBA, one of the best in NBA history, the best if you just look at, like, raw numbers. It's, it's really, really tough to do. And it happened, you know, kind of on opening night. He had 30-something points against the Wizards, and the Mavs caught, really, you know, caught fire really right out of the gates on the offensive end. They had some signature wins against, like, Houston in L.A. You know, they knocked off a bunch of big dogs early in the season. And he was kind of the driving force behind that. He had a few 40-point games right out of the gates and has just wowed everybody all season long and, and has really done it consistently. And, uh, you know, you can't in – in the NBA especially, in other sports maybe not so much, but in the NBA you cannot compete for a championship if you don't have a top five, top ten player. Uh, it helps to have multiple of those. And yeah. the Mavs, they may have another one on the way in the form of KP. We'll get to him in a little bit, but – Luca has solidified himself as one of the very, very, very best players in the NBA. And for that to happen basically in the course of one season is not unprecedented. It's happened before. But the fact that he's already arrived has really legitimized the Mavericks as a playoff threat this season. But more importantly, as like a perennial 50-win team caliber uh, franchise moving forward. Yeah, and it's not just talent, too. I mean, he's not only one of the best players in the league, but pop popularity, too. I mean, you, we look back at his uh, – if we're looking at 
you know, huge storylines for the season or these big takeaways from the Mavericks season heading into uh, this final stretch here in Orlando. It's, I mean, look at the popular, he was already a popular rookie, but just look at his voting, you know, fan voting and the all-star results uh, this past season. I mean, I forgot where he landed. It was, it was right behind LeBron, I guess. I think. Uh, yeah, by a few more, thousand votes, basically. Yeah, more than Giannis, more than Steph Curry. And it's just like, it's it's crazy to think about not just his talent and the leap that his, you know, his numbers took going from 21 points a game up to that 28-29 a game, up in his assists by a couple, up in his rebounds by a couple, up in his field goal percentage. Like, not just going up in his, in his stats, but just the popularity in him, too, of just kids. I mean, just I mean, I feel like any time I go to the grocery right now or I go to Target or I go anywhere and I see some type of Mavs, you know, like shirt or merchandise, whatever it is, it's Luca. I just talked to a high school uh, high schooler earlier today. He had an authentic Nike Luca jersey on. I'm like, hey, we, oh, I had to get it this past, you know, a few months ago. I'm like, it, it's He's not just taking over like Dallas and sports here in Dallas right now, but I mean, literally people around the world are tuning in for Dallas Mavericks games because of Luka Doncic. And he signed with Jordan. Uh, he didn't yeah. have a player exclusive, but he, he was part of that the, the launch that they did. We talked about this on a previous episode of Mavs Daily. Um, and it won't be long until he gets his own sneaker. And, and I mean, he's just he has incredible mainstream appeal. Uh, global mainstream appeal because, of course, fans in Europe love him. Um, I mean, fans everywhere love him, but he has, like, the European connection. And it's just uh, the trajectory, imagining what his career will be like in five or ten years is is very tough because every time you put a ceiling on him, like, it seems like he's just, like, burst through it. He's only been in the league two years, and he's already surpassed so many expectations. But um, it, it it's kind of like... Whenever you log on to Twitter, if you log on to Twitter, which you really shouldn't, but if you do and there's any conversation about the NBA, there's kind of like a almost like an unwritten law of like in any comment section, it's only a matter of time before somebody brings up LeBron. Uh, the fact yeah. that he is the best player ever or the fact that he blew a 3-1 or uh, not blew a 3-1 lead but uh, has lost six finals like somebody will bring up LeBron either to like praise him as the best or to try and tear him down and it'll happen within whatever you could be talking about the bucks and people will bring up lebron you could be talking about the orlando magic and people will bring up lebron you could be talking about luca and people will bring up lebron and it feels like we're heading down that road with luca if you if you hit fast forward and wake me up in five years people are going to be talking about luca like every single day every game he plays every decision he makes in crunch time like it feels like that's where we're heading where he becomes bigger than the the sport almost like he yeah. he's he seems like he's going to be one of those transcendent superstars yeah i mean he's going to be one of the faces of the league i mean you could make an argument right now that he if you listed out the 10 top 10 faces of the league right now as far as popularity around the world Luka Doncic would be one of those guys and once he gets some playoff success underneath his belt then bam, I mean, he's he's going to be right there on every single list. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's exciting to even think about. But it's not a one-man team. There's 14 other players and two two-way players, and they've got uh, replacement players in here too. And so there's going to be a lot of help uh, at his disposal in Orlando. And most importantly, that is in the form of Chris Stapp's Porzingis. And now this next kind of like big overall theme is not a negative. Like normally whenever you bring up injury and health situations, it's viewed as like, 
I don't know, like a, something that you should dread. Um, and injuries certainly do suck, and the Mavs have had their fair share of them, just like every other NBA team has. But out of necessity, uh, necessity is the mother of all invention, I guess, is is the, the old adage. And I feel like that's very fitting when talking about this team because um, – you know, they have had a lot of experimentation. They've had a lot of uh, maybe unexpected success. They've discovered a lot of things that maybe uh, they, they weren't ever planning on even using. And they've had to do a lot of that because guys have been hurt. Guys have missed time. Uh, Luca missed time in uh, December. And all of a sudden, role players are playing more minutes. And boom, the Mavs beat the Bucks in Milwaukee. And they beat Philly in Philly. Uh, KP missed some time and then boom, he came back and just looked like a totally new human. Uh, Dwight Powell suffered a, a season ending Achilles injury the same night that KP returned from his extended absence. And suddenly the Mavs had to shift to a kind of a small ball approach, even though KP is one of the tallest players in the NBA, but all of a sudden now they're playing like one big basketball with KP at the five Dorian Finney Smith at the four. And so it feels like their flexibility, th this theme is not injuries. I would say this theme is more of like flexibility, experimentation, uh, really kind of like just giving Rick Carlisle the reins and letting him just like do all of his madman science experiments because I mean, they, they really are just like, they have, they have literally tried everything this season and some of it has worked. Yeah. I mean, just the, a few days ago, Rick Carlisle talking to the media down in Orlando and talking to a lot of us over zoom, uh, just talking about Dorian Finney-Smith, and he's like, hey, Dorian's got some minutes at the five here running in some practice times. He goes, heck, I might even run out a five-guard lineup, which, I mean, that hooked that up to Rick Carlisle's veins right there. Uh, he's like, finally, I mean, look, finally. I, I can do it. And, uh, I mean, look what Denver rolled out the other day with Jokic in their first scrimmage at point guard and bowl bowl and all that. But, no, I, I think you said it you know, right with flexibility. And if you were a – I referenced this earlier, but – Going back to like '92, the uh, forever young old Mel, Mel Gibson movie, and he gets frozen accidentally in this experiment, wakes up, and if you're one of those people, it's like you woke up and you're like, all right, what do I need to know about the Mavs season over before the hiatus? I feel like one of the key moments of the season was when Dwight went down, and because that was when it kind of pushed them to shift to this air quote smaller ball already something we thought they would do come playoff time play KP more at the five play Dory more at the four and you know put other put Seth and Tim or whoever on the wings outside of you know Luca and we thought that that would come playoff time but they kind of shifted to that because of the Powell injury there you know what January I think it was somewhere mid-January January 21st I believe Okay. And uh yeah, so then they then they shifted and bam, I think that was one of the, the key I don't want to say key points because you don't want to like, yeah, you don't want to say it because around the injury, but that it just made the team shift and there's no telling what they're going to roll out. I mean, Maxi, they, when Willie Colley Stein opted out, they, you know, elected to use that spot with Trey Burke, another guard. So a lot of some, some fans were like, Oh, we need another big Rick's like, no, I, I'm cool with having KP Maxi Boban as my big. So it's going to be really interesting to see the flexibility that Rick throws out there in these guys. Uh, and then KP, I mean, KP's just, just a season that he's having right now. I mean, you look at his, his last 15 games before the break happened, KP averaged 25 points, 10 rebounds, two and a half assists and two, 2.1 blocks per game. I mean, that's, is that good? That's, that's really, really, really good. That is really good. <laughs> that's and good that's basketball. on good percentages too, like mid to high forties uh, from two, 
near 40% from three, I think, like 38, 39, something like that. I mean, he he took it to a new level. And and that's what – and if I can make a small plug, I, I wrote this story about him finding his optimal shape that he wants to be playing in right now and how he beefed up over the offseason. We saw the Ivan Drago pictures and all this stuff about him adding all this muscle. But even he admitted you know, before they left for Orlando a few weeks ago saying, hey, you know, maybe it's a mistake that I, I, I focus so much on the physical aspect. He goes, I know what works and what doesn't work right now with my body. And he's finding that optimal shape for him to play at and it looked like right before the hiatus happened he was getting into that groove those last 15 games and if he can pick up that spot in this new in this small ball system that you know Dallas wants to run Rick's running with these shooters around him Dallas could be scary yeah for sure for sure but that kind of ties back to the experimentation thing I mean KP was experimenting with the size uh it had been a while since he'd played basketball he was out of the game for almost two years and so you think okay maybe if I put on a little more weight my body will be better equipped to handle like all the banging that you do yeah uh, as a big man in the league especially in the low post and so the Mavs came out of the gates and they posted him up a lot and it wasn't really working and so instead of trying to stick to something that was not working they made the decision to all right let's ditch it and let's try and maximize this guy's strength let's stop trying to force a square peg into a round hole if something isn't working well what is Okay, this mm-hmm. dynamic between him and Luca, we haven't really explored it yet because the Luca Dwight pick and roll was working so well. Well, all of a sudden you wake up one day and Dwight's not there anymore. You know, he's out for the season. And so you have to kind of change it up a little bit. And I think going into the season, we all ha- had this idea in our minds of either, you, you know, Luca and KP are going to start. Either Dwight or Maxi will start. And then either Dorian Finney Smith or maybe Justin Jackson will start. And then the fifth starter spot was probably going to be DeLon Wright. And all of a sudden, you know, three or four games into the season, it, the starting lineup doesn't look anything like that. You had Seth Curry starting games. You had Tim Hardaway coming off the bench. Uh, you had Powell starting. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Tim Hardaway joins the starting lineup and you never look back. And Dorian Finney-Smith was starting instead of Justin Jackson. And then Dwight Powell was starting until he got hurt. But then you had so many other guys in and out of the rotation because of injury. It seemed like every time Luka got healthy, KP missed time. Then KP came back and then Luka sprained his ankle. And all of these things could kind of be like problems or challenges or red flags. or These are things that can like really kind of derail your season. But and and this is kind of this is important simply because the team is so young and this is year 1 of Luke and KP this was always going to kind of be like sort of an experimental year like you're going to try a lot of things that aren't going to work this is like the nature of sports in general but especially year 1 of what's probably hopefully going to be like a 10 or 15 year partnership even if we can get carried away and and that's just kind of i i, I don't know i I guess if you would have told me, if we're doing the thing where I was sleeping, like I was cryogenically frozen, and uh, you, you de-thawed me like in Austin Powers, and I'm just sitting at the urinal going to the bathroom for like 45 minutes the way he did in the movie, and you told me like, KP is going to miss 12 games, Luke is going to miss 15 games, and Dwight Powell is going to rupture his Achilles midway through the season, Jalen Brunson is going to be out, like, you told me all of the things that have actually happened, Oh, oh yeah, like... Tim was coming off the bench, but he wasn't really good, so they put him in the starting lineup, and it worked somehow. Uh, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith is starting. Like, if you, if you told me everything that was going to happen this season ahead of time, but you didn't tell me the result, I would be like, okay, yeah. they're not in the playoffs. They're probably the 10 seed, the 11 seed. 
maybe by now they're uh, playing their even younger guys significant minutes. But lo and behold, they were flirting with a 50-win pace whenever this thing came to an end, and they're the number one offense of all time. And it's... This is not like to brag or do the whole like Mavs PR thing, but like I literally did not I did not think that it could possibly work as well as it has given all of the roadblocks that have been in their way. Yeah, I mean, and I'll just add one small stat to that too. There's been 15 different players that have started a game for the Dallas Mavericks this year. And 29 different starting lineups. 29. <laughs> they played 67 games. Wow. That's, that's insane. That's, I didn't know that That's much. less than two – like one starting lineup every like two and a half games is basically the pace that they've been playing at this season. So, yeah, so if you added that to, you know, what you were told before the season that, hey, 60 – what are they at, 67 games into the season, right? 67 games in, they would have 29 different lineups, 15 different players will have started plus all the things that you just listed. You're like, all right, well, this season's a wash. <laughs> They're yeah. just playing, you know, pick up guys at this point and look, they're at 40 wins right now. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy. And that will continue to bear itself out in Orlando because uh their most used lineup this season after 67 games is still the one that includes Dwight Powell, Luka, and KP. And they have combined to miss a whole lot of games. And their most used lineup that consists of players who will be available to them in Orlando is the 70th most used lineup in the NBA this season. It's played less than 80 minutes on the year, like in 67 games. So it's just like it's it's really remarkable to think that the amount of turbulence that they could have potentially gone through has pretty much been smooth. And now, you know, one talking point that we didn't get to, but I guess this is a fitting time to mention it is that they've beaten a lot of really good teams. For example, they won in Philly, they won in Milwaukee, but they've lost to some teams that are not as good, that won't be in the in the bubble. And so uh, it hasn't been like the smoothest sailing ever. You know, you lose twice yeah. to the Knicks, you've lost to the Bulls, you lost to the Hornets, many of these games coming at home. But, uh, you know, there's been a lot of highs too. And and given all of like the flexibility and all of the, all of the craziness that has gone on, uh, it's – Honestly, not too bad. Not too bad. All yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. If you looked at the negatives from the season, I mean, you definitely have to look at the home record. You look at the clutch <laughs> clutch moments. I mean, you look at stats across the league for field goal percentage, uh, free throw percentage, free throw attempts, and all of those in the clutch. I mean, you're looking at Dallas 28th, 29th in the league at those. So clutch was a huge storyline um, throughout the season, home losses, stuff like that, free throws, defense. Rick Carlisle mentioned those two things specifically over the past few weeks, that that's what they've been working on the most in practice in Orlando. And trust me, I feel like anytime you ever tweet uh, a video of somebody shooting something, uh, somebody's bound to tweet at you back and say, why aren't they working on free throws? Uh, so yes, they're working on free throws. So be happy if you're one of those people. Yeah. And, and that's kind of those, well, especially the crunch time issues that kind of ties back to the experimenting too. Uh, this is the first year where the Mavs are, I mean, Luke's only been around for two years, but last year they were losing a lot of games just generally. They didn't have a lot of experience in crunch time situations. And now Luca did hit some big shots. He had that huge performance against Houston where he scored the uh, 11 straight points. Uh, he had that big shot in Portland. 
But, I mean, generally last season they were losing games. They only won 33 of them. So this year was the first year really that he's been here that they were kind of playing from in front. And unlike last season, whenever for a large part of the year he had guys like Harrison Barnes, Wesley Matthews, like more veteran players, Dennis for a little while, that were willing to take shots, this year was really a lot of Luka and KP as well. But, you know, so Luka's having to experiment, find new things, find some go-to moves, find some reliable things to do. The Mavs as a team are having to experiment, find what works, find what doesn't. Uh, and, and, and all of those things will sort of, you know, it's growing pains. It's sort of you, you're learning this, file it away, put it in your notebook, you know, study it over the summer. Well, this is kind of a summer. And so we could see some new things, uh, y- you know, some new plays, new sets, new concepts uh, come to the surface in crunch time situations in Orlando because a lot of time has passed. And like you said, the Mavs are aware that these are issues. And uh, so, so we'll see what adjustments are made. But if anything, if we learned anything from the first 67 games is that they're willing, my God, they are willing to try new stuff. Uh, okay, let's get to the last one. So we talked a little bit about Luca. We talked a, bit, a little bit about KP and kind of uh, the, the changes that they've made, been forced to make that have kind of inadvertently maximized his strengths. But uh, in a league of duos, the Mavs have one of the best ones, but you cannot win unless, especially in the playoffs, unless your other guys are very good too, right? You're only as strong as your weakest link. And especially in the starting lineup, and really even in the top six, it's hard to find a weak link, man. This season, uh, we kind of talked about what we expected the starting lineup to be, or at least like the main rotation. That did not include Dorian Finney-Smith. It barely included Maxi Kleba. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. was supposed to be a sixth man, kind of a guy that came in and, and gave you some points when possible Seth Curry uh he had a really big year in Dallas before you know in 2016-17 but the team wasn't that good and he was supposed to be another bench guy too and all of a sudden that's like your starters right and Maxie's kind of your versatile six man off the bench and you know for all for all the good things the amazing things that Luke has done for all the strides forward that his game has has seen this season for all the kind of incredible development that that KP has uh shown off as well i mean we just talked about it the maps have had the, the Mavs have had some injuries man these guys have missed time luke and kp have missed like 15 20 30 games combined it's been those other guys tim hardaway jr seth curry maxi kleba dorian finney smith especially those four that uh, have been so rock solid and really so productive especially from beyond the arc that it has helped them weather the storm uh, or, or any possible storms that could cre- be created by the absences of of the big two. Yeah, the shooting from the if you if we want to say supporting cast around the duo, I mean that that's the biggest thing when you want to build a team and find pieces that fit alongside a ball dominant guy like Luka Doncic and this duo and KP and Luka. You want shooters. I mean, ideally in a perfect world, you're like, hey, I want forty percent shooters around Luka. Well, they have two of them in Seth Curry and, and Tim Hardaway Jr. You look at the at the team in general. Three-point percentage, they're eighth in the league at 37% as a team. Three-point attempts, they're second in the league uh, at 41 threes a game in that. And just looking at those next four guys to fill out that top six in the rotation, Dorian Finney-Smith shooting a career-high three-point percentage at 37% this year. That's massive. Maxi at 37%. Tim Hardaway Jr. at 40%. Seth Curry at 45%. These are big. I mean, this is what you want. In a, in a perfect world before the season even started or just looking at a franchise and say, all right, I want I want 40% three-point shooters or at least 37% and above, 
Well, the other four guys in this six, if we want to say six-man rotation, they're all four delivering that. And Tim Hardaway and Seth over 40, that's that's crazy to think about. And that, I mean, this is that's what the Mavericks are about right now. Yeah, in order for Luka to thrive, he needs space. And in order for the Luka KP pick and roll and pick and pop to thrive, it needs space. And in order to have space, you have to have shooting. If the Mavs are rolling out a rotation of guys that could not shoot, that were even like low to mid-30s, that weren't commanding respect from the defense, it wouldn't work. Teams could just clog the lanes against them, and it, and it would be it would be very difficult goings for those two guys trying to figure it out together. But because Seth Curry especially, dude, 45% is just blazing. Tim Hardaway is the number one shooter, I believe, from the right corner. It might be from the left corner. I always get it confused because you look at the court and, like, it's like stage left versus actual left. But those are two of the best shooters in the NBA. And that was another experiment. At the beginning of the season, those guys were staggering minutes. But once some injuries happened, all of a sudden they got rolled out at the same time and the offense just blew up because you have two super, super plus-plus shooters on the floor next to Luka and KP. Luka can make space out of nothing, and all of a sudden you're just cooking guys. And if you look at wide-open threes, so that's the number of threes. Uh, a wide-open three is whenever you have at least six feet of space between you and the nearest defender. So, you know, six-plus feet away, you're wide open. Anything less is either open or contested or whatever. Well, the number one guy in three-pointer three-point attempts that are wide open this season is Maxi Kleba. Number one in the NBA, and the guy comes off the bench. He plays like 25 minutes a game. He has the most wide-open threes, and so teams aren't really giving him like the respect, I guess, that you would give to Tim Hardaway or Seth Curry or J.J. Redick or like an elite shooter. Uh, and the same could be said of Dorian Finney-Smith. He's number nine this season in wide-open three-point attempts. Really? So you have two guys on your team that are constantly shooting wide-open threes, and combined they're hitting those at a 40% clip which is very, 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 very good. Good enough to where in a playoff series, you can't leave those guys open anymore. And all of a sudden, you're having to shade a little closer toward them, which gives Luka a little more breathing room, KP a little more breathing room, and all of a sudden, you're off to the races, and you're really unstoppable at that point. And that's been huge. Those guys hitting threes, those four, Finney, Maxi, Hardaway, Curry, because they're combining to take 20 or 25 of those threes a game. And if they're shooting those at 40% clip, and if KP is shooting his at mid-30s or low 40s the way he has for the last couple months, he's he's giving you another five or eight. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, you're taking 33s a game and hitting them at 37, 38% clip. That's really, 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 really tough to outscore. That's so many points. And coming into this season, kind of like a big talking point or a big like fear, I guess, if you were gonna if you were gonna list like this Mav season will go poorly if. Well, it was, this Mavs season is going to go poorly if nobody has a career year from three. They're going to need at mm -hmm. least somebody to be great from three because on paper, at least, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, uh, proven shooting on the roster, right? Like, Dorian Finney-Smith has been low 30s or even high 20s throughout his career. Last season, Maxi was, I think, flirting with 35%, uh, dropped off toward the end of the year. I mean, these are guys that even KP had only taken, I think his career high for three-point attempts for a season was like four in New York. And so there was a lot of like unproven shooting and you can overcome average shooting by just taking a lot of threes, but you get the best offense of all time by taking 40 threes a game and shooting them at 37%. And suddenly, if you can do that for a playoff series, then you can really beat anybody because three is worth more than two. And if you're going to be canning 15 or 20 of them a game, then you're going to score 120 points without even having to try. 
you said canon, and uh, I, it made me think of another canon uh, that Tim Hardaway Jr. refers to himself as. Ooh. As uh, the canon, getting the canon ready, uh, quoting uh, Tim Hardaway when uh, referring to getting his shot ready during the hiatus. But I thought Alan uh, Rakowski, is that how, did I say it right? Yep. Rakowski? Uh, I thought he had a, a, a solid stat in the game notes heading um, into the game uh, yesterday, into that Lakers game yesterday, when he said, Tim Hardaway, since New Year's Day, he ranked third in three-point three field goal percentage, trailing Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum. So since New Year's Day, Tim Hardaway Jr., third in three-point percentage, that's huge. And I do want to mention real quick about the Dorian thing. Dorian upping his three-point percentage, I think that's one of my favorite if not my like my my favorite thing that has improved across the roster was the fact because that was like the the main thing for him in his first three seasons in Dallas and I mean two seasons ago he shot 29 percent at three a game 31 percent last year at three a game then he upped it and shot another three per game this year four threes a game to 37 percent him upping his three-point percentage from 31 to 37, I mean, that was – we all knew he could play defense, and he's literally the best defender probably on Dallas's team. But just the fact that he upped it to 37%, it shows you the hard work that he's put in over the past few years. But for this team, I think it allows him to hit a whole different level. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because how many – and this this goes for Maxi too. I mean, last season after the Mavs made those trades um, and, and got KP in, who was obviously still hurt at the time, there were so many possessions where Luca would make some whatever awe-inspiring pass to an open Maxi or an open Finney Smith or even an open Hardaway who was dealing with that injury at the time, and they would just clang the three, and it would be an empty possession. And coming into the season, you knew that Luca was going to be able to do all the dazzling stuff again, and that he was going to make it easy for these guys. But can they capitalize? And by God, they have. They've been, they've been incredible. I mean, way honestly, like and we've said it before on here. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. has had this. I, I did not think that he would have such a good season. I didn't. I was yeah. hopeful that Maxi would, but I didn't expect as good as he's been. Same could be said for Dorian Finney Smith. I mean, all of these guys, the Mavericks needed one guy to have a career year, and instead they have four guys having career years. And that is a huge reason why they're in the position that they're in. And now all of these things that we've talked about Luca, KP's leap, experimentation, supporting players stepping up all of these things have to blend together perfectly in the bubble in order for all of this stuff to be worth it right otherwise you're going to go you're going to play eight games and you could get bounced in the first round but this entire season has sort of been leading up to this moment getting these guys their first playoff experience there's not a lot of it on the roster so everybody is kind of in an unfamiliar territory um and we're just going to see what happens man like we're going to see if these guys if, if, if anything that we saw in the first 67 games can carry over into the eight-game restart, and heck, maybe we'll see something new. Uh, so before we get out of here, I guess, like, any, any final takes, final thoughts? We'll obviously talk again before the regular season begins, but where is kind of your – and now, full disclosure, we recorded this right before the Lakers scrimmage started, and so if something just purely chaotic or terrible happened, then we're not going to know about it. But uh, where is kind of your headspace at heading into this whole thing? What are your overall thoughts on, I guess, like the season, the roster, whatever? The floor is yours. Well, I mean, I think I'm going to kind of regurgitate a little bit what Bobby and I talked about uh, on an expectations pod, I want to say last week maybe or a week and a half ago. 
but I kind of, in a way, just feel like we're playing with house money a little bit. I mean, I, I feel good as as a fan. Like you feel, you know, if you were a Lakers fan or a Bucks fan or something like that, you're kind of on the edge of your seat a little bit. Like there's expectations there. There are, hey, we're projected to be a finals team. Like if you're a Clippers fan, if there are Clipper fans that exist. And so you're like <laughs> expecting a, you know, like a, a, a deep playoff run and stuff like that. And as a Mavs fan right now, you feel like, or at least I do, I feel like we're kind of ahead of schedule a little bit. The team is super fun. We're seeing it on social media. We're seeing all the videos. Luca is just this fun new superstar of the league. And going into the season, my idea of a success was reach the playoffs. Get your toes wet. Experience the playoffs. They're going to do that. So I'm already happy. Of course, I want more. I want to be greedy. I want, you know, I want a playoff win, you know, a series win. I would love all of that. But if they walk out of here and they lose in the first round, I'm still going to be happy for this young team. They're going to build off of it. So uh, in a way, like as a Mavs fan right now, I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm super excited. And I just want to see this team play basketball again. Yep. And it's going to happen soon, man. It is going to happen soon. All right, Isaac, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the scrimmage yesterday, and uh, the Mavs will have another one in a couple days coming up against the Indiana Pacers. It will also be on Mavs.com slash live. I believe NBA TV is picking it up as well if you want to watch it there. You can also hear it on 103.3 FM. That is ESPN Radio. And then a couple days after that, the Mavs will play the Sixers. Uh, That one will be on Fox Sports Southwest, and it will also be on ESPN Radio as well. And so you can catch these final tune-ups before the real action starts next week. That'll be against Houston on July 31st. Basketball is here. It is here. It is in the flesh. We saw it once. We're going to see it again soon. And we will be with you every step of the way on Mavs Daily. Isaac, we'll see you soon. He's Isaac. I'm Bobby. This is Mavs Daily, brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. Hallelujah. We'll see you soon.